Hi, and welcome to the Walk Podcast. My name is Lena Rowland, and I'm head of content for Walk Strategy. And today we're talking about gaming and the opportunities for brands in this space. Now, gaming is a really interesting area. It's been around for decades and is hugely popular. The activity commands vast audiences with billions of users across the world. And contrary to the stereotype, gaming isn't just the preserve of teenage boys. Walk Media's recent big picture gaming report shows diverse audiences are participating in gaming, including women and Gen Xs. So we'll hear more about that in a bit. Gamers are an attractive audience for brands because of the high levels of immersion and attention that gaming commands. However, many marketers remain hesitant to invest in gaming. One reason is that reaching this audience can be tricky. Advertising needs to be done in a way that doesn't interrupt the gaming experience. As we'll hear today, there are multiple spaces for brands to engage with gamers, from in-gaming advertising and in-game experiences to streamer partnerships and real-world activations. So I'm delighted that with me today to explore all of this is a regular Walk contributor, Oliver Feldwick, Head of Innovation at the AND Partnership. In March this year, Ollie wrote an excellent piece, Gaming and Marketers Primer. In Ollie's view, gaming is the biggest niche brands cannot afford to miss. Welcome to the podcast, Ollie. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. I'm also delighted to be joined today by Colleen Neufer, Senior Director, Integrated Planning from EA. Thank you for joining us today, Colleen. We're looking forward to hearing your insights from a game developer perspective. Thanks, Lena. I'm thrilled to be on the the podcast today. So, Colleen, actually, I'd like to start with you. It would be good to start off with some data. Can you paint a picture of the gaming audience today, who they are, how much time they're spending gaming and what their motivations are, that kind of thing? Sure. I would say the term gamer encompasses such a broad and diverse spectrum. There's reportedly 3 billion people who play globally, which includes every possible demographic, if you can imagine. It's no longer the stereotypical view of a teenager, as you said, playing in their parents' basement, but it's truly a massive audience with a wide variety of consumers who are choosing gaming as their entertainment method. And I'd say it's really been driven by the ease of options to play and the social nature of the environment that gaming presents. Um, The rise of mobile and free-to-play games has made the space more accessible than ever at a global level. We also saw a huge influx of consumers entering gaming during the pandemic as people were spending more time at home. And I'd say a lot of these casual gamers may not have previously considered themselves as gamers, and likely still don't identify necessarily with that gamer description. So it's important for marketers considering entering this space to know it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. It's a massive yet exciting opportunities for marketers to consider. And it's where ultimately their, their customers are spending their time given the size of people playing today. Yeah, thanks, Colleen. That's really interesting about the uptick in in users uh, during the pandemic and that people actually who do game don't necessarily consider themselves uh, as part of the kind of gamer uh, demographic. Um, Ollie, have you got anything to add from what you're seeing? Um, Yeah, so from from my point of view, I kind of I class myself a little bit as a as a retired gamer. I mean, I kind of was the the stereotypical teenager in the basement, and have sort of carried on to a lesser extent in in my adult life. So I've 
I, I feel from personal experience, you know, I know how fundamental it is as a big, you know, entertainment and media form. And then I was almost surprised as I, you know, went through my career in advertising, media and marketing that it was treated as such a niche when actually, you know, we talk about being data driven, but when you actually look at the data, um, it's in no way a niche. It's a mass mainstream piece of entertainment. And I think what we're what we're seeing more and more is that connection between gamer culture informing other culture and other culture informing gaming culture. And actually, a lot of these gaming spaces are kind of like a, a little Petri dish where, you know, it's where a lot of memes come from. It's where, you know, the cool thing right now will want to then be appearing in games and vice versa. And I think that that kind of dynamic is really interesting, but it's just, you know, it's happening below below a lot of marketeers' radars because it's not something they personally do. Um, so my thing is, you know, you wouldn't ignore what's big in the cinema right now. You wouldn't ignore who's popular in music. Um, and so I think it's, you know, you're, you're almost being sort of willfully ignorant if you choose not to know what's going on out there as part of your understanding of culture and entertainment and the world of media around you. So that's why I'm so passionate about it is trying to sort of join the dots between my personal experience of it and then how I see it sort of professionally being being often overlooked um, or, or sort of stereotyped. Yeah, um, Ollie, we're, we're definitely going to lean into that um, that culture area as we go through this uh, this talk that we have today, because it is super fascinating and, as you say, important. Um, so what I'd like to just kickstart with as well is just if you could really, um, your piece really nicely outlines some of the main opportunities for brands in this space. So can you can you just take us through some of the key opportunities that brands might be missing? Yeah, so, you know, obviously, the world of gaming kind of has a whole media ecosystem that sits around it. So you have, you know, you have kind of emergent uh, streamers as kind of like the the, the, the gaming equivalent of, of sort of influencers or creators who have enormous followers and they cross over enormously from being in the gaming world to being just in, in general culture. So you can do partnerships with streamers, you can do official partnerships with games and game developers themselves. You can do paid media to appear, you know, in stream for people who are watching on Twitch. So you can kind of use it as a conventional extension of your sort of video sort of display media. Um, and then you can look at, you know, more and more interesting in-game opportunities as well. And I think the way that certain brands and it's not, you know, there's, there's like all things is it's not the same opportunity for all brands. Certain brands have a much more opportunity to express themselves. You know, if you're if you're in a sort of fashion category or if you're in uh, sort of consumables that people eat while gaming, you have a more obvious, you know, people want to be wearing Nike gear in, in game and you might have an opportunity to do, do, you know, crossover partnerships there or people are more likely to think about, you know, food and drink they eat while gaming is in the same environment. But I think all brands can, you know, start assessing how and when they could turn up in, in the gamers world. Sure. And Colleen, have you, are you seeing... Any um, is there a particular area that is proving popular uh, from what you're seeing? Yeah, I think to build on um, Ollie's point, the, there's so many opportunities around the connected entertainment experiences in and around games. The way into games for players isn't always the game itself today. There's so many recent examples in pop culture and entertainment of games becoming entertainment through traditional TV and film extensions or entertainment becoming games, which we saw 
This year, one of the most popular games of the year has been Harry Potter, stemming from that movie legacy, obviously. Um, and then on the flip side of that, with video games becoming movies, you see a movie like Super Mario Brothers having the highest gro grossing film of the year so far in comparison to when the first Super Mario Brothers come out, which people may or may not know about, actually came out in 1993 and was arguably a flop. And I think a lot of that has to do with the rise of gaming and that blurred opportunity between gaming and entertainment. On the EA side, we've, we've leaned into those crossover entertainment opportunities with our game FIFA and having the opportunity to actually play some of the popular TV characters from Ted Lasso or integrating the, the team of Wrexham AFC into the game experience itself. I think that itself presents such an exciting opportunity for marketers who are considering ways to enter the space around that, that connected entertainment experience. Um, yeah, I suppose what I like about all of that is it kind of brings the gaming uh, landscape, which is often um, online, into the offline world. Uh, is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the most popular shows from the last year was The Last of Us. And a lot of people who watched that show may, may or may not have known it started from a video game. So I do think that blurred lines of traditional versus this interactive entertainment experience is what we'll expect to see more of in the future. Now, we've already touched upon this. Um, so, you know, it, it, one of the most fascinating areas is that there's a real strong sense of community in gaming. And Ollie, as you say, it's where a lot of culture is bubbling up, up. And in your piece, you say that ignoring gaming is like ignoring popular culture. What are you seeing? Which brands are actually tapping into this and actually succeeding in this space? What, what's, what's worth talking about? So, I mean, I think, you know, for a, for a certain sort of generation and, and group, uh, gaming is is the new social network. You know, people follow and go where their friends play. And, you know, the fact that they connect and engage around a game is a really sort of integral part of, you know, how they how they connect, how they hang out. And whether it's a group of a group of friends who will play together on Fortnite or FIFA and they'll follow each other and they'll move from Fortnite to Apex Legends and they'll go around and they're there to play with each other. And then what the game kind of gives them is an environment to connect and to, you know, build build a community around it. And I mean, the interesting kind of dynamic you then start to see is is as brands integrate uh, into those spaces, if they come in in the right way, it's the kind of thing that people want to want to be part of, want to play with. So, you know, how do you like Balenciaga turning up in Fortnite is done in a way that is sort of playful and riffs off of the brand and sort of understands the Fortnite landscape. And it's one where actually it, it feels like it's authentic to the brand, but it also understands the space that it's turning up in. And so I think, you know, there are, there are lots of brands that are in that, you know, lifestyle world where they are, you know, going into the world of gaming and, and sort of earning their place amongst, amongst gamers. But then you also have the flip side, you have quite interesting things, you know, people like Mr. Beast or KSI and Logan Paul all come from at least partly a gaming background. You know, they, a lot of their, you know, fame and, and, and being well known is because they're popular amongst gaming circles. They did loads of streaming. And now off the back of that, you've got Mr. Beast launching Feastables and then using some of those sorts of behaviors to, to kind of grow, grow some of his brands and KSI and Logan Paul, you know, launching Prime Hydration. All of those come from community sort of groups and sort of fandom clans around gaming that have then just spread into more and more hobbies. So if you, you know, follow follow FaZe Clan or follow Logan Paul, 
you're following them partly for gaming, but also for all of the other spaces and areas that they're interested in from partnerships to brands they launch and to the culture and media that they bring. So it's where a lot of sort of younger culture is is bubbling up at the moment is in that sort of social gaming connected space. And I, I think that's a really interesting dynamic that we're starting to see. It is really interesting. Certainly in the last year, it's just seeing these what you deem superstar streamers kind of uh, become brands, launch brands in their own right and very successfully so and kind of change the rules to a certain degree. So I guess it's kind of like um, something that a lot of legacy brands will be watching and potentially learning from. Ollie, in your piece, you talk about the meta game. So can you talk a little bit more about that and um how where there might be kind of paid and owned opportunities for brands to reach gamers yeah so i think this is often the conception is you know is is people go well there's stuff in the game can i put my brand in the game and there are opportunities to do that but actually if you're a gamer it's also about watching other people play on stream streaming on twitch it's about the spectacle of the game if you're into esports it's you know it's like uh, it's the difference between playing football and watching football. You know, there's the spectatorship and following, who, you know, the good players, how the game's evolving. And that's where some of the the meta sort of media landscape and the meta game part of it comes into it. So how the game is evolving, if you're into it, you'll be spending lots of time on different, you know, publisher websites, finding out what's the latest news in the, the next release or who's doing what in the game. And so all of that gives you media opportunities of you know you can turn up in spaces in reddit or in twitch or youtube gaming all of those are parts of the of the environment and i think the the dynamic of the streamer is is it's it's a new media form as well you know it's an extension of podcasting extension of a couple other things but they all use you know they have their kind of their display using kind of open broadcasting software where they've got what's happening in the game they've got their interaction with their fans and they've got them talking is actually a really interesting media dynamic as well that brands can can, can turn up in as well. And Colleen, do you have any builds on what you're seeing in around the, the meta game space? I would say that the meta space around in and around gaming has some, become such an increasingly important part of the way that we even think about marketing our games. The reason that people are playing ranges so drastically from wanting escapism to wanting to lean into the competitive aspect of gaming or or there for that social connection, which is offered through those streams on Twitch, through the community that Discord provides. So when, when advertisers are thinking about entering the space, they should be thinking about that overall ecosystem and the environment that comes with it because it's such an opportunity to drive a deeper connection via a tool that has become a a big social connection option for people to engage um, in today's space. Great, thank you. Look, we know the audience is vast and there's lots of multiple opportunities for brands. Um, But yet we know that, you know, the the investment isn't uh, reflective of that. What is it that's holding marketers back, do you think? Is, is it that um, they're misunderstanding who gamers are or are there concerns around brand safety or is it about measurement and proving the effectiveness of, of campaigns? I think, I think for me, it's, it's a little bit of all of those. Um, I think there's an element of, you know, it's just lack of awareness and lack of understanding of the space is, is for me the major barrier. And I think getting past that stereotype and actually go to the go to the data look into your brand and have a think about 
how you could connect to that audience. Um, and, you know, like I say, it's not going to be for everyone, but any kind of brand that could be looking at a major passion point or a major media space, it's one that you would want to consider and go actually amongst this community, amongst this space, should I, should I turn up there? Brand safety is something you can definitely manage and be conscious of. So, you know, there are ways that you can ask to be part of appropriate, the same way you'd work with other influencers. You go, you know, is this a type of content they're putting out that I want to be part of? Certain games have, you know, covered more controversial topics you might not want to be part of as a brand and you can again choose based on that uh you know where you where you where you invest um and then i think one part of it also and this is another challenge that marketers are facing uh with the world of streaming and netflix of going gaming isn't an advertising led medium so you exist there a little bit at the the license of of the community so you need to put a bit more effort into going in there other places mm. you can just pay, pay some media, turn up in that space, and people are like, ads are part of the deal here. That's less the case with gaming. So you need to figure out a bit more carefully how you're going to turn up. And as a, you know, uh, there's a lot of in-jokes. It's quite a savvy audience who do quite like to turn on brands that would turn up having not done their homework and get, you know, read the room wrong. So I think it's one where you want to know what you're doing as you go into it. And I think that ends up also being a bit of a barrier. So I'd never want that to be a reason not to do it. But it's one where you can't just, you know, tick a box and just lob whatever you're doing elsewhere and stick it in game in a gaming world and it will work just the same. Like it takes extra effort to activate a gaming audience in a in a, in a worthwhile way. Yeah. Yeah, that all makes sense. And Colleen, have you got any builds on that? I agree with Ollie. I, I think first and foremost, it's just a lack of awareness that the opportunity is so massive and that it exists in the way it does today. Because when we think about it, in-game advertising has been around since the inception of game development, but the technology has advanced so much in the past few years that the barrier to entering the space has never been lower. I'd say it's having a, a bit of a renaissance from the tech advancements and the rise of mobile and free-to-play games, giving advertisers more options to consider ways to enter the space, as well as all of those cross-entertainment opportunities we were talking about before. That meta experience expands just the in-game banner within the, the game experience itself to a lot of those social connections we were talking about that before, whether that's you know, integrating with an influencer, an esports team, or finding ways to authentically connect via Twitch and other platforms where gamers are spending their time to talk about the environment of games. So tons, tons of ways to get involved. So um, what about the potential pitfalls in this space? Are there any particular watch outs that brands who are thinking of investing in games should be aware of? I mean, Ollie, you've actually already touched upon that in that you've kind of got to almost have but have permission uh, to enter that space or certainly to have um, to do so authentically and to, to not just kind of go where you're not wanted. But um, a, a, anything that you'd kind of just like to point out? I think it's important to keep in mind it's it's not a one size fits all approach. And so the nuance of the reason why people are playing games, the types of games that people are playing should be carefully considered when advertisers are entering the space Obviously, contextual relevance is important for all advertising placements, but I would say authenticity is particularly important when engaging with the gaming audience. And Ollie's piece talked to certain brands like hardware or energy drinks having a natural permission to be in that space. So it's important for brands considering entering for the first time to think about what their hook is. 
And I think that presents an exciting creative challenge to think about how does my brand manifest in this game environment and what can I do in this space that I can't replicate in out of home or print or on TikTok or in digital environments. It's really unlike any other advertising channel. Gamers are leaned in, looking at the content in front of them, and they need to pay attention in order to move forward. And that's you know a very attentive audience that you don't necessarily get within those other channels today. And I also think, you know, the the risks of it going wrong are, are, are not that significant. There's always some risks with doing something, you know, putting anything out in the world will have some kind of risk attached to it. But if you've, if you've done your homework, the, the greater risk is, is not getting involved and missing out. And you'll never get a chance to learn and figure out what role you can play in that space um, unless you try. And so I think that sort of, you know, the, the, it, I wouldn't ever want to overstate the risks. You know, in, there are certain in the same way that there are certain publications you can find, you could find on the internet, certain ways you could do things in any channel that would not feel like a good fit, or you know, you kind of blunder into something and not do it brilliantly. But actually, you know, the risks of getting it wrong are, are pretty limited and pretty small. And if you sort of mitigate against that, at worst, you just won't get the results you were hoping for, or that you know, the community might be a bit like, that's not. You haven't really got us as an audience, but that's that's going to be true with other audiences as well. You're just less likely to hear about it. What's quite good about gamers is they'll tell you if you get it wrong, they'll call you out on it. And actually, like loads of other places, you're getting it wrong all the time, but no one calls you out on it. L- number of brands who are getting it wrong with Gen Z, but never get called out on it just because they're mm-hmm. not doing it in channels where you get immediate feedback or they just choose to not listen. Gaming's a little bit exposed because so many, it's so interactive inherently is that you know people will will make fun of you as you go in there as sort of turn up dad at the disco and, and just get it a little bit wrong. Um, they'll call it out. But if you're, if you're too, you know, too proud to learn from that and, uh, or, or can't be bothered to do your homework, then, then that's a thing that could happen. But I, you know, it's r- rather be there and learn and see, see how it works than use that as a reason to never go there. Yeah. So get in an experiment and have you got an example of a, you know, your favorite game activation uh, of, of, of a, from a brand? A great example. So f- for me, I'm, I'm a really big fan of how fashion brands have been using it as the new sort of virtual catwalk. You know, it's the kind of chance to put your brand in an interesting contemporary space. And it's, you know, it only works certain gaming environments where you can do it. Um, but I just think that sense of, you know, how Gucci or, or you know, Gucci, Burberry, uh, Balenciaga, Nike, how they turn up in spaces like Roblox, Minecraft, Fortnite, I just think it's really interesting because they take a brand that should by rights be really precious about how it looks and puts it into, you know, a sort of polygon world. And, you know, if you've gone into Roblox, it looks intentionally, you know, pretty basic and that's the aesthetic. And so it takes a kind of confidence to actually go in there and and get it right. And so I think I admire that because I think that's taken a level of engaging with the community and taking risks with your brand and generally getting it right. So when Ralph Lauren launched their, you know, their latest range in Fortnite, I just thought that was quite a fun, audacious sort of thing to do. And it kind of made you look at the brand differently. So I, I like that as a behavior. I agree. I was just thinking all of those examples Ollie provided are strong ways that brands have been organic in that space while still demonstrating their brand value. When you think about the metaverse environment that gamers, that the gaming environment provides of being able to try on those luxury brands and experience them within the game itself. That's such a creative way to leverage the environment. I know that for The Sims, one of our our EA titles, you know, it's 
arguably the, the first metaverse experience that's been around the last 23 years. There's been a lot of um, experimenting with fashion brands within that game that has offered you know, a value exchange for the players who are investing so much time in that game. I also really liked the, um, the, the, the Burger King Stevenage FIFA activation, again, because it was one where it was just a really clever sort of understanding of the environment, and, but also kind of playfully subverting it as well. So they kind of chose to sponsor sponsor Stevenage in-game uh, because, and then they, they launched the challenge to play as that team and to win with that team so that they're, you know, they would get their branding on instead of on, on the shirts through sponsoring the team in real life. You get their sponsorship in-game as well. And so all of that was quite an interesting joining together, I think, with something like FIFA being so baked into football culture as a whole, that understanding mm-hmm. of going, well, actually, we can hit gamer culture and football culture in, in in both in one go with this with this campaign so i thought there was some really smart thinking in in that one as well yeah that definitely sounds like um football culture and gamer culture sounds like a winning combo for sure um what like what's the one piece of advice uh you would give marketers who might be interested in exploring this space for me the really i mean and it sounds stunningly basic but the opening bit of advice for me is to spend some time actually watching and being part of gaming and i will often be surprised that you know you'll get to a brief and you'll have someone briefing you to talking about gaming as an opportunity but they talk about it as a bit of an alien thing that they've gone we should we think we should launch in gaming um, and then they'll talk about the game titles, but you go, have you actually gone to Twitch and watched someone playing this game and, you know, just, just engage with it a little bit? Have you seen, you know, most of these games, a lot of games you can access through your phone, you can play it through, you know, lots of people have consoles. So actually a bit of a sort of doing your homework, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those ones where you don't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think about doing TV advertising if you'd never watched the telly. Like it's one of those things where actually you can do some of your own homework without it being a huge arduous task. So I think that for me is always a really helpful stage one of just demystifying it. There are, there's so many videos on YouTube of people playing games and talking about it. And you can, you know, some of them with hundreds of millions of views and you just, you could just kind of absorb the culture and absorb the dynamic by just watching it and you know, I would like if, you, if you're going to put real money behind a budget, you can you can afford to spend an hour watching YouTube videos in the name of research. Um, there's definitely there's more sensible steps to take after that, but I just think you get so much from doing that. If you're feeling like it's an alien world, um, you, you can just dip your toe in and, and get get a bit more comfortable. Yeah, makes perfect sense, Colleen. I would agree. I think authenticity is probably the most important thing to keep in mind when marketers are considering entering this space. Core gamers who are playing AAA console and PC games are often digitally native and very savvy to advertising. So brands are going to have a better chance of success if they tell a story that feels organic to that audience while demonstrating their their value overall. Great. Yeah, I mean, Ollie, the bit I liked, is, well, I liked all of your piece, but I, I really liked the point you did make Um you know, it does seem a bit crazy that with last year in particular, the hype around the metaverse. Um, but, you know, you made the point that gaming is is actually here. It's It's been happening for years and it's that untapped opportunity, which is a bit it's just crazy when you think about it, um, that it has been overlooked. Anyone, I suppose, that's interested in what's going to come next, where, where's the next big thing really should be should at least kind of have some sense of what's going on in the gaming world. 
Yeah. I mean, for me, and this is not to knock some of the interesting new metaverse spaces because there's interesting things being explored there. But, you know, I I think there was definitely a sense that almost all of the interesting metaverse stuff that's actually happening right now is actually gaming that was being renamed as metaverse stuff last year. And, you know, some of the new metaverse platforms have hundreds, maybe thousands of users. You know, you've that's like marketing to a village, go to a small village and just hand out flyers. You know, there's there's no solid logic why you'd go into that except for as a totally wildcard experiment. Meanwhile, you've got literally tens, hundreds of millions of people turning up in games and, you know, immersing themselves in big, deep stories on a daily basis. So for me, there was always that contrast felt felt kind, kind of pointed last year when there was an awful lot of what would have otherwise, a year before you'd have called it a gaming thing, gets rebadged to being a metaverse thing. Uh, uh, but actually deep down, it's it's been gaming all along. And and that's that's what I think gamers have been looking at this metaverse trend just as a bit of a, hang on, we've been doing, I was doing metaverse-like stuff in the 90s. I played a game called Ultima Online where I had a little house on a little island <laughs> and other people would come along and I made items in the game. I'd like go and mine stuff and I'd sell it from a little house. And I'd dress up my character. I was like 14. I had this little, and, and I could have sold that house. It was probably worth about 500 pounds in real money because there was like fine out real estate on this little island. That was the, that was late 90s. I was doing that, you know, I, since then, I've spent I've spent an awful lot of time mining things for some reason in games. It seems to be a big feature of games. I played um, uh, Eve Online, which again is a sort of a, a, a space a spaceship simulator game where you go and mine asteroids amongst other things, and but with thousands of other people all doing it all in one space. And you go to big virtual worlds with people doing loads of stuff together. It's been there for you know twenty thirty years. Um, that's got to be exciting. And there's big, you know, there's, there's stories happening there. People spend huge amounts of their lives immersed in these stories. There are, there's IP that's richer and more immersive than, than Harry Potter. Or it's an extension, you know, Star Wars world. If you love Star Wars, you will play the Star Wars franchise games and they tell whole offshoot stories around it. So, you know, there, there's, a, there's a whole universe out there um, that I think is just is, is, is worth marketers knowing about. Great. Thank you, guys. So look, what about the future? How do you see the gaming landscape evolving? I think we're just starting to see the beginning of the entertainment space in and around games that will continue to accelerate in the coming years. Obviously, we talked about the Super Mario Brothers and The Last of Us, those being so popular as they have been in the last year. I think games as publishers will continue to lean into those spaces to develop, you know, stories around their IP, around the characters within the games that live outside of the games and give people who are playing or interested in the characters or the storylines themselves so much more to engage with that creates, you know, an exciting opportunity from an electronic arts perspective on what the future holds for us, but also as, as brands are considering entering this space, you know, it's not, not just the gaming environment anymore. There's so much around that space for, for people to consider as, as this new channel comes to life. Great. Yeah. I think, you know, it's going to become more immersive, more accessible. Um, there's going to be more and more crossovers and blending into culture. And I think what's exciting about gaming for me is, is how it's much less attached to, you know, specific games and consoles are sort of trapped in that one console. And actually now they become worlds that, that that blend over. And, you know, I think with mobile gaming, with new hardware options to kind of access all of this, I think 
getting more games in the hands of more people uh, is 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 the only direction I think it's going. And so I think, yeah, more gaming for everyone is hopefully what I see. Great. Okay. Well, listen, thank you. Thank you very much, Ollie and Colleen, for sharing your time and expertise with us today. Uh, Walk subscribers can read Ollie's Gaming Primer on walk.com. It's an excellent piece, so do check it out. If you haven't done so already, you may want to subscribe to the Walk podcast on your favourite podcast platform so you don't miss another episode. Thank you for listening. <laughs>